0: Welcome to the Jam Yearbook. I'm Matt. And I'm Jim. Happy New
1: Year, everyone. Here we are.
0: (laughs) Welcome back to the show and welcome to 2024.
1: Yeah, we're going to switch things up a little today. Normally, we'd be reviewing the music from December, but we got to face the agony of new releases in December. There are not many new artists that are releasing music or artists in general.
0: Yeah, and we kind of touched on it in the last episode. You know, I mentioned that it seems like those releases that are coming out in December are just thrown out there. They've been kind of in the can. Let's just get it out there because nobody's really going to win against Mariah Carey anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't need to do a show in December where
1: we're, you know, we're reviewing Christmas songs. Hey, I'm very proud of the UK. This year, the UK number one was Last Christmas by Wham! It beat Mariah Carey. That's a good song. Yeah, it's a good That's song. That's a damn good song. So maybe next year, Matt, we can do a review of Christmas
0: songs? Uh, no, no. Let, you're pushing <laughs> your luck, Jim. <laughs> we have enough evidence from going through every year we've been alive that December has become the weakest time of the year for new releases. We'll soon find out if January has a little bit of a bounce back. It's So far, it is not looking good. Uh, but I kind of expect those first couple weeks going to be dead. It'll pick up. And we generally find that when we're reviewing a month, yeah, it takes us a little bit to get our sea legs. And then we start, you know, finding stuff that we like. But I suspect it will not be an extension of the December (laughs) Blahs. No, (laughs)
1: it's not going to be. It can't be that bad. No, but let's not skip the happy birthdays because that's how we've kind of been starting off the shows when we've been reviewing the month and we can't leave out everybody who celebrated a birthday in December. So you start us off with the big shout outs.
0: Very happy birthdays go out to Britney Spears, Ozzy Osbourne, Jay-Z,
1: Johnny Resnick, Peter Buck and Mike Mills of R.E.M. We have Tom Waits, Corey Taylor of Slipknot, Nicki Minaj, the one and only Donnie Osmond and Jacob Dylan. Jay Mascus of Dinosaur Jr., Brenda Lee, Dionne Warwick, Dickie Betts, and Sheila E. Our, our newfound favorite, Matt and uh, Taylor Swift, <laughs> uh, Tom DeLonge, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, Christina Aguilera, and Keith Richards. Yes, out of
0: fear, she is our favorite now. Uh, continuing on, happy birthday to see you, DMX,
1: Peter Chris, Lars Ulrich, and Eddie Vetter. Woo! And then finally, we had Haley Williams. Patty Smith, Jeff Lynn, Andy Summers, and Paul Westerberg. And I put that all in order. So from the beginning of the month with Britney Spears on <laughs> December 1st, we end with Paul Westerberg at the end of the month. Matt, I am going to call you out on your Valentine's Day theory because this is a lot more birthdays than we had like in <laughs> September and October. I think it's springtime. That's the that's season for loving. Oh, yeah. Wascally wabbits all around.
0: <laughs> it's a solid theory. I'll stand by it. We thought the November birthday cake was full of candles. Man, December had even more. That was that was pretty long. Um, and now for album anniversaries, what do we got in December, Jim? Nada, not nothing. Not nothing, wow. Not a thing that I could find that really stood out. Oh, Bullocks, Jim. Bullocks. <laughs> Forty-five years ago we had the Doobie Brothers minute by oh. minute. You know, we just went over Yacht Rock, you know, recently. One of the best Yacht Rock albums of all time. And with what is considered by many the best Yacht Rock song of all time, What a Fool Believes. Oh, yeah. And then we had some albums celebrating 40 years. This is on me. No doubt. I I didn't think you'd uh, research big enough to come up with these. And I wouldn't expect you to have a connection with them. But some of these in December, they were very special to me back in the day. Ozzy Osbourne's Bark at the Moon. Well, that's big. I've told the story before where... Bark at the Moon is when I fell in love with the Ozzy Osbourne. Great memories associated with it. I remember riding my bike home from downtown with the first cassettes I bought. The Moon was one of them. I couldn't pedal fast enough to get home and listen to it. <laughs> Another favorite of mine is Slade's The Amazing Kamikaze Syndrome. Or as it was titled in the U.S., Keep Your Hands Off My Power Supply. <laughs> I'm not sure why bands do that, but uh, just like Bark at the Moon, my intro to Ozzy Power Supply was my introduction to Slate, and it kicked off a lifelong love of this band. My Oh My, Run, Runaway, Say La Vie, they are songs that I still have on my current playlist. You know, I turn it up when they come on. Over the years, their albums have magically showed up on my computer somehow. It's weird how that happens. You know, sometimes your computer's just listening, doing it, (laughs) automatically downloads things. I don't know how that, that's weird. And then, here we go. There are a couple big metal releases, these may play to a smaller section of our audience, but I'm in that group except with Balls to the Wall, legendary <laughs> metal album. Udo has one of the most identifiable voices. I put it on as soon as I saw the anniversaries coming up. You know, albums are time machines and all of these brought up the 13 year old me in December. Balls to the Wall, the song, <laughs> it's still anthemic. London Leather Boys, Losers and Winners, Winter Dreams. It's all awesome. And it still sounds fantastic. And then I'll, Finish up with the debut of Slayer, Show No Mercy. Slayer has to be in the conversation of one, probably the most influential thrash bands of all time.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Because I think they've stayed a little bit more true to themselves mm-hmm. over yep. the years. Yep. We've had trouble accepting most of the new metal out there. I just prefer my metal to sound like this. Same with except when I put it on, I was surprised at how much I still like the sound. It's a good quality sounding recording and I prefer it to what's out there today. I I'm finding that today there's a little too much mud, a little too much polish. You know, this there's a little bit more of a punk element to this, the metal back then great slices of eighties metal. And I was happy to see him that, come up in the anniversary section
1: speaking of you, like you said bollocks jim speaking no. of bollocks, balls <laughs> to the wall where does a phrase like balls to the wall like it doesn't get used anymore that it was like pedal to the metal and balls to the balls wall. to the wall just meant you were yep. just you know given all you got but yep. yeah don't know where that came from and i'm not going to try to explore that <laughs> right now no this is strange because I looked through several sources for albums released in December. I probably spent a good three or four hours one afternoon trying to dig through, and I did miss Bark at the Moon, which I definitely would have brought to the notes because I know that not just to you and, you know, not just to, you know, kind of hard rock metal fans. That's iconic. Ozzy's iconic to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, he is. But I think anything uh, he
1: does is important and iconic. So. Oh, yeah. You probably don't need to dig deep for those and Yeah. The, the Ozzy no, album is great. Yeah,
0: I had that one in the chamber, but I also know how hard it is to find those because sometimes you're just looking too hard, too fast, too much. Because in August, we missed Billy Joel's An Innocent Man. Oh, wow. For the 40th year. And we would have gone on and on and on about that <laughs> It's
1: probably better but off we, we did miss that one. We fucking missed it. <laughs> you you would have heard a four-person attempt it for the longest time. So Yeah. <laughs> but going forward, this
0: anniversary section is going to be fun because 40 years ago, was 1984 oh boy we are entering some peak years for our generation to reminisce about some great
1: music i think we're gonna have some sing-alongs coming oh yeah (laughs) but folks everybody december sucks for new albums it was (laughs) not that great i'm sure there's been a single or two released in december that will make it to an album at a later date but as far as albums go there wasn't anything that really stood out for me
0: and it's really disappointing when you're trying to create an episode because you don't want to come on here and just rant about how terrible things are, especially when, well, like, <laughs> not all the time, not all the time. Don't call me out that bad. Uh, but especially when there's not a lot in general to, to even go through to call shit. <laughs> you know, if we were in the same room, we would have looked at each other and go, well, what are we supposed to do with this? This is a steaming pile of garbage. I will say, though. Those anniversary albums were my escape from Christmas music and the lack of anything really new and wonderful. Perfect antidote that I ended up revisiting a lot of my old metal favorites.
1: Yeah, I was glad you pointed that out and put those in the notes because I was starting to tap out on listening to anything (laughs) in the month of December. But there was more than I think I was probably willing to accept. Yeah, balls to the wall. I know.
0: (laughs) December did have some curiosities. It wasn't, you know, completely barren. Peter Gabriel's IO stood out because he hadn't released anything in 20 plus years. I've never had an album experience with him. So I was going on name recognition. Obviously, he's got some great songs. It
1: was very December. It was mostly a depressing (laughs) slog. It actually, his last album was released in, I believe it was 2005. Oh, wow. I might no it may have been even 1995 was when his last album was released let me correct myself there it was a long time ago and some of these songs this was like his guns and roses chinese democracy oh okay had been heard and he'd been working on them over the years But I think he pulled together a much better album than Axel did with Chinese (laughs) Democracy as far as something he'd been working on for a really long time. But yeah, I'm going to go back and bank on saying his last album that he released was kind of pre-2000s. I know he's done maybe some instrumental or some film work, things like that, but this album might be my December exception. I think I enjoyed it a little more than you did. And there was definitely one song on the album let and let live with everything that's been going on in the world in the past year or so this song is to me, it was great. It just has really moving lyrics about peace and forgiveness and it fits in with Gabriel's best work in his lifetime for me. I won't completely write it off.
0: It had the feel that I need to give it more time to let it sink in Mm -hmm. because, you know, I can be lyrically challenged. You know, I got to get hooked in by a sound or maybe I just got to
1: be in that right head space. You just got to do it right. You know, because if you're out trying to shovel a driveway or, you know, you know, do do work around the house and you got Peter Gabriel going, it's not going to work. I listened to the album while I was taking a bath. And that's how you do a Peter Gabriel <laughs> album. You just get in, you sink into some hot water, yep. and you let him take you away with whatever stories he's going on about from song to song.
0: Mr. Bubbles paid you a visit, huh?
1: Yeah, Mr. Bubbles. I used <laughs> the, 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 the Star Wars with the Yoda head. Oh, I'm
0: jealous now. You brought up Guns N' Roses after releasing perhaps back in August... We were both looking forward to hearing more Guns N' Roses. We were, we really liked that
1: song. We're like, oh, if they go in this direction, this might be really cool. Yeah, that song was good. I really did enjoy it. And then they released this song called The General, and it was just kind of bad and creepy. It sounded bad. The recording did not sound good. And I'm not going to take the time now to dive into the theme of the song and what it might have been but it sounds like it kind of goes to a dark place that I am not comfortable with. <laughs> mm-hmm, very creepy. Very creepy. I was listening to my release radar and
0: a half hour Dave Grohl song came on. Boy, that was a, that was just a slice of peach pie. Wasn't it? <laughs> I couldn't make it through the whole thing. I walked away from my laptop. Cause I'm doing research. I'm putting down some notes and damn thing was still playing. When I came back, it was like it slinked in and out of what you would expect Foo fighters to be. Hmm. You know, it, and it it would morph into. Oh, okay, this is a little bit different. The minute you just snap you right back to <laughs> the same things you've heard from Foo Fighters over the years. But continuing on with some of the bright spots of December, time will tell. Obviously, you know if they st- are standing out because of the rest of the month was so weak, yeah. Or if I really do like them, uh, rap album, uh, Baz, he had a new one. We only talk about real shit when we're fucked up. <laughs> Sorry about swearing, but that's the title of the, that's album. the title of the album. <laughs> it was good. The song Risk has a really good vibe to it. And it was my gateway to getting into the rest of the album. It kind of opened up to me after that. You know, sometimes you just need that key to unlock mm-hmm. all the doors for you. And we found an old school Jim Jam from Joey Valance and Bray. Uh, new to us. Uh, and you threatened to learn the lyrics. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that, oh, you are. okay. <laughs> <laughs> can't stop was the name of the song. It had it's an old school beat, you know, and the video was really fun and funny. It looked like they were having a blast. And we've kind of noticed fun seems to be missing from hip-hop as it's matured over the years, yeah. and then we found a really cool black Sabbath cover. The band Night Moves covered uh, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. It's mm-hmm. a pretty killer version. They do a great job of switching between this fuzzy heaviness and making it light. And it's amazing that he pulled off those Aussie vocals, because that is an
1: amazing song to sing. And boom, there's December for you. Kaboom from me. I'm going to drop an 11th hour song I found today from December. Oh, okay. It's actually an EP, and I was pleasantly surprised to find some new Arrested Development. Oh, Yeah, the main track is called Hip Hop Saves Lives, and they haven't skipped a beat. It has that old school flavor of sound, and even better yet, it features a verse from Chuck D. (laughs) I must have listened to it three times on my way into work this morning. I'm glad I didn't miss it before December winds up being in the rearview mirror for as bad of a month as it was. I think we did both find some redemption. Oh, I'm glad you found some Arrested Development. I'm going to have to
0: look that up because I'm very curious. Yeah,
1: we'll put it on the playlist.
0: Yeah, we haven't heard that from that group in a while. And we are liking the old school hip hop
1: sounds that we're finding when we yeah, find That sounds them. great. Okay, Matt, so let, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode because we weren't going to review December and then we just wound up reviewing <laughs> yeah, December. We, uh, sorry. But you, you brought up in the previous episode about being connected to older music And I admit I am as well, you know, kind of generationally, and we've noticed other generations, you know, our parents connected to theirs. And we've discussed this quite a bit, episode to episode, almost slightly thematically along the way. But I'm just going to come right to the question of, do you think there's a generational age, a point we reach when we're done trying to embrace new music?
0: I have felt, that way, multiple times in my life, like almost like in despair of I'm never gonna find anything new that I like ever again. I'm currently in a little bit of one right now because of the direction I hear a lot of newer bands going in. I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, that's uh, I can't get behind that. Uh, But you're right. We've had this conversation on and off the show about getting into ruts. If not for my kids and reconnecting with you over the last you know couple years. I would still be in one possibly the final one where I wouldn't progress past
1: 2010. That's depressing. But I also think it's kind of easy for us to feel like maybe right now we're not doing that because we know that these are kind of the dry months for new music coming out. Mm, (laughs) So for me to pose that question after we just talked about how there wasn't much in December, we need to kind of reflect back to what we found maybe over the past three or four years Mm -hmm. cumulatively And, you know, talk about it from there. As we get older, why do you think the majority of people, my friends, your friends, I think the ones we know, they're resistant to new music? Because I hear it all the time. The best music comes from the 80s. Grunge was the best. And now I'm seeing a generation of people that are ten years younger than us because i I went to college late, and I graduated college when I was thirty years old. I'm friends with a lot of people who were twenty to twenty three, you know, that were going to college at that time that were limp biscuit corn fans. They're all reminiscing over this really kind of pseudo angry, violent new metal from the late 1990s and i'm like what what, where's the sentiment in that is it is this something you think that people get kind of stuck in uh
0: obviously yeah because i I know when when we're trying to find new music now i do find a lot of bands i'm like wow they were limp biscuit fans or corn fans (laughs) <laughs> oh, you can hear up. it in the or, band, yeah. Or or Linkin Park, especially yep. Linkin Park. I hear a lot of Linkin Park and many new <laughs> bands. We haven't really talked about them. Uh, but people post all the time on social media. They plant their flag on their preference. Yeah. There are formative years where many find their favorites. And I think just outwardly, they want to plant that flag. I don't think they typically or specifically stop listening to newer music but you know they got their preference and there it is it starts when you're young you start separating yourself from what was heard when you had no choice and or you didn't realize you had one uh there's an age where you create your own identity and music is possibly the most important factor it can affect who becomes your group that you hang out with yeah and it, yep. how you dress how you act everything it, it affects everything in your life.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's something that happens only once in a lifetime for most people,
0: though. No, but back to your original question, I would say, I don't know if you agree with me, there's probably like three three big age ranges or stages of life where this can happen.
1: Yeah, I, no, I agree with you.
0: I think that could be. You know, b- b- people can stop at one. I I doubt that happens or altogether go through all three. There's like the middle school to high school, you know, the preteen, to teen, twenties, either college or entering the workforce. You're out of that high school bubble and really getting a chance to make your own decisions. You're going out to bars, to parties. The music you hear will be associated with those good times, and they they you get a dopamine rush when you hear them when you're older, because you remember these people and the and what you were doing. Thirties, you know, or whenever you're starting to settle down. Uh, for some reason, that could be in your 20s or even 40s. You know, it's
1: kind of my experience. Mm-hmm. And I think we may have had some different experiences because I think I kind of missed that in my 30s. For me, when I was 10 to 13, I was getting my first 45s, you know, the singles and cassette tapes and listening to everything from Asia to Men at Work. My first 45 I ever brought home was uh, Down Under, men at oh. work but then i can also vividly really remember having asia's heat of the moment and only time will tell whatever that because i think that was the, the their first album and then when i was 15 to 17 years old i kind of went through a new jack swing r&b phase i was into dancing and enjoying a lot of that kind of cheesy 80s r&b mm-hmm. and then when i was like 19 to 24 alternative music grunge that type of rock completely overtook my life
0: yeah and i'll say that maybe the stages of life isn't accurate i i think as far as stopping i think you're going to take parts from each of those stages throughout your life i don't think you're ever going to stop listening to it unless it's like some kids bop thing phase that you went through when you were really
1: young, <laughs> you know, or, or you children's wonder, music. Yeah. Those, those kids who grow up with kids bops albums, yeah. are, they, are they ever now at this point, are they like 20? Yeah. They're like, I want to yeah. go back and listen to
0: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, have you heard the original? <laughs> but, but so I, but I think it does shape the original your... kids bops. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think what you take with you Forms your tonal core Mm -hmm. of what you're going to lead to. But in your thirties, Jim, you were playing in bands though, right? You were doing original songs. So that's going to affect what you're listening to, you know, extracurricularly. You were probably pretty unaware or uninterested in what new music was popular. When you're playing in a band, you end up concentrating on that music that you're playing.
1: You probably couldn't be more accurate because when I was (laughs) in my mid thirties, I couldn't have been more disconnected from the radio. I've talked about that in the show. And when we were covering years and we got to those mid-2000s before kind of 2010, 2011, there's a big empty gap for me. And this was when I was hyper-focused on original music. And when I say original music, I mean writing when I wasn't playing with bands, I was trying to produce and help book them. I had a mastering studio for a few years and I was getting new music every week from artists out there to work on. So I was never able to walk into a phase where I got caught up in any kind of style or genre during that time.
0: You do though, you you bring to light a fourth phase and that's a good catch. There's a ton of growth that happens from middle to high school. So it makes sense to separate those. Um, but if you stop progressing your musical preferences past middle school, you got problems. You might want to get some help for that. <laughs> <laughs> that 10 to 13 year old range is where you're first reaching out on your own. For me, you two, most likely, it was or even earlier as soon as I discovered America's top 40, you know, and the record store, I was bringing home human
1: league and Duran Duran 45. (laughs) Yeah. If it was in the top 40, I was probably going to try to buy it and bring it home. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought I had to like it. (laughs) And I, you know, (laughs)
0: that's, that's the other thing you can be brainwashed a little bit. And I, we've, we've kind of touched on that as well over the years where you hear all your friends listening to something or the radio and you kind of almost get talked into oh this is what I'm supposed to like instead
1: of truly forming your own opinion oh yeah did you stop listening to the first collection of music you were buying in your youngest phase N- no
0: well some of it yeah There, well that's tricky right um, songs okay. yes genres no right yeah, tonal yeah. choices I think will will always remain you know you're always going to get tired of songs I don't think People generally stop that young. I think it is more in your 30s, maybe 20s where people stop. And radio can play a big part in that too, especially if you're going to turn on the classic rock station, you're going to get stuck in, God forbid, guitar rock. The rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> right can you imagine
1: uh, if we were just totally stuck on 80s ballads like chicago's hard habit to break or something <laughs> like that like we were when we were teenagers <laughs> every rose know <laughs> the meaning in my life You're you
0: laugh but man can you imagine when we're in the old folks home <laughs> The but music we that's going to be played when we were 12 exactly. years old, you, you know, know? <laughs> they're going to have a separate wing for
1: the metal kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that genres, you know, people we know in our lives have become strictly dedicated to a genre of music. Our our good friend, Sandy, we did a couple of metal episodes with him. He is a metal guy. I've got other friends like him, just straight into metal. You have metal, you have rap. I mean, there's jazz people out there in this world. They just like jazz. And we should probably tread lightly here because of more <laughs> of our friends and where we come from. But we know a lot of people that swear by jam bands, you know, Fish and mm. the Grateful Dead.
0: Ah, tread as hard as you want. Because others will probably return fire on you. You say something. And that's there's kind of that fun in it. It's like sport teams, Red Sox Yankees, you know, you kind of want to yank, you know, yank on each other back and forth. And when you poke people about their music, they get worked up. If there's some disagreeing <laughs> points of view there, but you get some of your best conversations. You went off on me about Three Eleven once you never made it on the show. Cause I think you went on for like 20 minutes it was <laughs> thoroughly entertaining. <laughs> I loved it because I feel that was your most honest argument about them. It, it shows how passionate people can be about music. And I think that passion is important. It's good to be objective, but I also think it's good to allow yourself that guttural reaction, because if you get too objective then you're you're just too level. You need you need some peaks and valleys there.
1: Yeah, that's true. But and I think it's important to find meaning, but it can kind of be difficult to share when it is a random band like 311, because there are people out there. And think about this, Matt. You, you talk about me going on. It, yes, I would think I was quite drunk, and that's the reason you why were, I cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> but after thinking, I needed to see the hottest concert on the planet. I gave up just a month ago. Impossible to get Taylor Swift tickets because I found out 311 were going to play in London in June of next year. And there was no way I was going to miss that opportunity if they were coming over here. Uh, you got to follow your heart, man. Yeah.
0: Right? I do you love 311 infinitely more than Taylor Swift
1: and a lot of other bands. Mm-hmm. I know how much fun it's going to be for me.
0: It is. And... I will admit the Taylor Swift thing could be an interesting concert to attend just for the event and the atmosphere and to take it all in and
1: to get a better understanding of holy shit, people really love her music. I wouldn't have given up Taylor Swift if they hadn't been one week apart and it meant changing my time off from work and money I was going to need to spend and such. But when it came down to, am I going to go see Taylor Swift or am I going to go see 311? Well, the obvious choice, if you know me well enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely one.
0: Yeah, and I think I would have followed suit, obviously as well. Not even not being a huge three eleven fan, I think the three eleven show will be a more intimate performance.
1: Yeah, I, the last time I saw three eleven, I saw them in a a place that probably had about ten 000 to fifteen thousand people. And I've got the opportunity to see them in a club that is a 800 person capacity. So why wouldn't I pass that up? And that's
0: where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And my age, I'm like, I want that smaller, more intimate connection with the band. Yeah. It, but you know, you know, people, I know people, you have to, people listening have to, they can tell you what specific live Grateful Dead show, what year, the exact date, what minute of a specific song where they had their minds blown. (laughs) And that's awesome. It's not for me. It's not for Jim. But if a song genre artist is inspiring that feeling in you, that's what it's all about. Random or not, 311 is a band you love. I love Slade. When I talk about them, most people stop listening. But
1: I love them. (laughs) You should talk to people in the UK about Slade because they love them over here. You, <laughs> you you could walk into a bar over here and have a Jam Yearbook episode conversation with somebody about Slade and it would be the time of your life. So, okay. <laughs> yes. And Matt, you know, I think you and I we are both kind of explorers because we have spent our lives never stopping our search for the next great band, album, or even just a song but i do think deep down we're a bit jealous of people who get a great satisfaction of music from a certain genre or style oh i am very jealous you know when when i get out of a rut
0: i spend too much time exploring you know what you know i can obsess many people know that about me and sometimes that can lead to quantity over quality it's like a never-ending search it's like i'm looking for that magic bullet I I may like something, but then I'll get distracted by the next shiny object and I don't (laughs) settle down to do a deeper dive and maybe
1: find something that I would find special. Sometimes I think I just get bored with a band sound. I can really be Mm. digging a band and then two or three albums later. And I have friends who've never stopped loving Pearl Jam. Or even Aerosmith, no matter how much we you know, <laughs> shit on them in earlier episodes. I, we like early Aerosmith. We really enjoyed our time listening to them when we were younger. But these people like them through the 90s and the 2000s. There comes a point where everything kind of starts to sound samey, samey to me. And maybe I take more notice of the originality of sound. When it comes to a band on the scene, so a a band kind of breaks, they come into your life, you've got this sound that's new to you and it's fresh and you're really enjoying it. But three albums later, either you've heard enough of it, you're ready to move on, or they've got a bunch of copycat bands that come out and kill it for you.
0: Mm. yeah blink 182 did that there was a ton it's still a ton of copycats out there all over the place yeah oh yeah it, we've noticed that a band is usually at its best when they're new H- have you found that repetition hurts your prior feelings about a band
1: yeah it can make me turn back to their older catalog less and less mm, yeah when i reach
0: that point with the band whether it's we've talked about green day and food fighters while i may not get much out of their new stuff Hopefully, they're creating new fans as they keep chugging along. If I were to go see them live, and I suspect most people are probably like this, especially our age, it's for the greatest hits. You, you, you want to hear the familiar songs. And I'll go back to another conversation that you and I had about being explorers. I think our, our dream job would to be uh, talent scouts. Yeah, and just searching for new bands. Mm-hmm.
1: That I'd love that. So I've got to ask you, if there was an era or a time or style of music people could accuse you of being stuck in, what do you think it would be for you? Uh, for you, I'm
0: I'll I'll always be an indie guy. An in- indie <laughs> Matt? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but those who knew me through high school probably think I still mainly listen to '80s metal. People who know me now probably have no idea. I posted about so many different bands and albums I'm listening to. I'll switch from Frank Sinatra to Nine Inch Nails to Beatles. Those who know me through the show may think it's all Prince and the Ramones with a sprinkling of Boney Vare. <laughs> Honestly, I still associate High School You with the likes of Millie Vanilli and Young MC, you know, and Bennington <laughs> You with the Pumpkins.
1: Yeah, I, I talked about those years earlier in the show. My parachute pants gave way to ripped jeans and flannel. It definitely would be hipster of me to say I don't lean on an era for nostalgia, but that would be a lie. I definitely can remember the angst of the grunge era and a lot of those songs and lyrics, and they still hit me at the right time if I listen to them now. Soma and Mayonnaise by The Smashing Pumpkins can still tug at my heart. Geek USA or Porch by Pearl Jam can still fire me up if I need to get energized by music. Say It Ain't So by Weezer. Brings me right back to the hardest times in my life. When my parents separated that song, you know, probably got overplayed and everybody got sick of it during the time that it was out. And even myself, but it had a lot of really deep meaning lyrically to me. I was creating a new identity for myself in the early to mid nineties period. And a lot more music from that era still resonates right through me. And it's harder to know what people listening to nowadays,
0: no one walks around with the boom box blasting like we did <laughs> back in the eighties. It's mostly earbuds and being isolated in a way because of that. I know my taste isn't for everyone. And so my AirPods are with me at all, at all times. And some people don't want to hear music. They don't know. It can be unsettling listening to music you're not familiar with if you didn't initiate it, especially the older you get, life gets busy at the end of the day, when you finally get any actual free time. I feel like most people just want to put on an old
1: favorite. It's, it's like sweatpants and slippers for the ears. Do you think that in pop culture then say in the last 50 to 60 years, since kind of rock and pop music have been on the scene, at least from our parents' generation, music is the fountain of youth. Oh yes. Music can teleport you back in time and
0: open conversations with even strangers. And you go to a show, you're going to meet people you've, you never knew in your life, but obviously now you have something in common. Yeah. Did your parents ever tell you stories when certain songs came on?
1: <laughs> my mother used to tell me uh, the song Wake Up Little Susie by the Everly Brothers reminded her of the time that she and my father fell asleep in the car at the drive in when they were dating. Sure, you did, mom and dad. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: And my parents, you know, whenever they would hear a cover going up like uh, Phil Collins, You Can't Hurry Love, they would tell me about the original version and that would, you know, pique my curiosity. But overall, I think it was their way of saying, our music was better. (laughs) (laughs) In that way, music can be generationally unifying. Great songs will always be covered, regardless of how old or what genre something is. A tune is a tune, right? The Beatles Mm -hmm. are still the Beatles for a reason. Don't you think great music will
1: always be rediscovered? Well, yeah. My mom was part of Beatlemania, and she was a big fan of theirs. And I have this great memory from when I was 19. I played Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. I cranked it up. My mother came charging in the room. I expected her to be telling me to turn that shit down <laughs> because <laughs> she was not a fan of heavy rock music. There was a lot of, that's too hard. That's too heavy. She liked the 60s rock and roll that our, you know, your parents like. She looked at me right away and asked who it was. And I thought, that's Nirvana. And she says, the sound reminded her of what she heard when the Beatles changed music there was something about this band Nirvana to her. The, the name, the sound. It, I'm not going to say she became a fan. She didn't borrow the album from me and go start listening to <laughs> it. But there was something in the originality that took her back to being young again.
0: Mm, she was 100% right. Nirvana completely changed the music
1: industry. Yeah, that was one of those moments where I thought my mom was kind of cool. for Yeah, saying that's a that. cool parent moment. It was a moment, obviously. How then do you think, as as we start to wind things up, Do you see guilty pleasures fitting into this? And don't give me that. There are no guilty pleasures bullshit that people like to say now, because that's the cool thing to say. I still agree to a point with that statement, but most people I know have some music. I know one friend out there who's not embarrassed about anything he's ever listened to. He tells me this. I'll I'll let you in on that secret sometime. Uh, (laughs) But People can get nostalgic about music that they're not going to admit in all of their social circles. So I'll throw myself under the bus here and it won't surprise you if you have listened to the show, I've probably admitted it in a previous episode, probably like version 1986 or 87 around that time. I love Bobby Brown, especially the Don't Be Cruel album, My Prerogative, Don't Be Cruel, My Roni, songs off that, I love Rock With Ya, Every little step, it was a single that came, uh, the Ghostbusters theme song that he did for Ghostbusters 2. And yeah, you knew this because we knew each other at this time, but I've had plenty of circles of friends since then where I am not volunteering that information <laughs> to.
0: There are guilty pleasures. There's probably like less than 1% of the population that doesn't or won't admit to it. Everybody's (laughs) got them. If you're listening to something and you turn it off when somebody walks in the room or you turn it down in traffic, you obviously have a guilty pleasure. And if you're listening to something and you're constantly looking for somebody who somebody could open that door or somebody (laughs) coming up the driveway, it's a guilty pleasure, right? If you're side-eyeing the whole room to make sure nobody else can hear you, it's a guilty pleasure. (laughs) That's, that is weird. I didn't realize you would consider Bobby Brown to be a guilty pleasure. Or any of that new Jack swing. Are you saying it's a guilty pleasure because you still listen to it
1: and have a slight embarrassment? It's a guilty pleasure if you find yourself red-faced after someone walks in the room and (laughs) catches you singing along. (laughs) You roll up the windows when you're at a red light. Oh, yeah. Someone's (laughs) in the car next to (laughs) you. You don't want them to hear you screaming, relax by Frankie Goes Hollywood.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, because I had a brief period where I was trying to make myself intentionally uncomfortable with what I was listening to just to see if I could break down some barriers. I was putting on stuff like Kelly Clarkson. And yeah, if I was at a stoplight, boy, that window went up. (laughs) And and I 100% would shut that off when someone else was anywhere near earshot. I wouldn't call that a guilty pleasure because that was the only time I've ever listened to it on purpose. You, you got me thinking now, if I have any, I've been a pretty open book on this show, possibly some of the hair band stuff. Actually. Yeah. There are some stuff when I think about it. Cause I would deep dive that, you know, the obscure bands like DeMall's or Britney Fox danger, danger. Um, <laughs> I would probably still get down to listen to danger, danger, uh, But yeah, I would not want to have anybody listen to me singing along with it. I'd be pretty embarrassed that people see my third Warrant CD (laughs) in my collection or the last White Lion album, considering the year that those came out. Um, Because I probably should have moved on from that a long time ago. If I still listen to it, I would give them guilty pleasure consideration, I guess. Current, But yeah, you know
1: what? Back in the time, back in the day when I was actually listening to it, yeah, it was a guilty pleasure. Well, this is the Matt I remember from high school. So just imagine us. You have Jim Jams in his parachute pants, and then you have Mullet Matt. (laughs) Destined here to be friends for almost 40 years now and admitting all of this on the podcast today. (laughs) We need to be a comic strip or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, for a while, I considered Bruno Mars a guilty pleasure. Now that I come to think about it. I would listen in the car after dropping the kids off at school instead of turning it off like I normally would and switching back to cake or the Beatles or whatever. It was pop. I don't listen to pop, right? But I realized, well, it might be pop. He's talented as hell. Yeah. I was so impressed with the Super Bowl halftime performance uh, back in 2014. It's a different style of music, but the performance made me think of James Brown. Mm -hmm. It's tight it's really cool then in 2016 uptown funk people may be tired of it now but that was the closest we got
1: to a new classic prince song that i had heard in forever oh i heard that too and yeah i don't disagree with you about prince but i also hear morris day and the time in there oh yeah it's got that minneapolis sound yeah, it does. Yeah, there's that background
0: keyboard wavering sound rrr, rrr, that I'm like, oh yeah, that's the time right there.
1: But you, yeah, you have that oh, also yeah. that feel of the o oh, e o oh, e o oh, dance. Yeah, groove. Oh. You want to get down. Oh, to I this think he that. even pulled
0: that <laughs> off too live. It was very, very, very similar. Uh, boy, have we successfully lost the plot on this one? <laughs> I think <laughs> so. We might be a
1: little <laughs> off topic, but I think it all still kind of relates generationally how you move along through life. mm Hmm. Is there anything else we care to admit today? Wow, it's
0: turned into a confession show. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I will
0: concede though that it is probably time to end this episode and move on to what is next.
1: Yeah, we can do that. The next show we are going to bring is going to be about stadium rock, music, and sports. So this might bring a whole different audience. Don't worry. Don't think you won't be interested in this, even if you don't like sports, because a lot of it's going to be about the comedy of song and sport and and there might be some things i'm able to bring to the show about how i witness it over here in the uk compared to how matt you're experiencing it still now in the u.s when i was there
0: it'll be interesting to hear if there's any commonality in songs that are here over there wherever um and i think it'll be kind of curious
1: to see what the participation level is as well yeah that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about yeah all right matt it's your turn to wrap the show up
0: wrap it up i shall we want to thank everybody for tuning into the jam Earbrook yet again we'll see you back here next time when we recap big time uh stadium rock and super bowl halftime shows
1: yeah we will we'll look forward to it peace love
0: and podcast